Good morning, everyone. Afternoon. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, John. Um, I had to rush home because I forgot my laptop. <laughs> it's hard to keep it together when your wife's not there to remind you of everything. Eh? Luckily, I didn't forget the kids. Yeah, um, thank you all for just the love and concern uh, this last couple of weeks. <coughs> it's been a little over a month now um, of health challenges, <clears throat> but God is keeping us in this time in an incredible way and has, has spoken to us. Um, you know, he's, he's spoken to me a word um, that I hold on to, and it's amazing that uh, that day, the 11th of March, uh, the second time she had to go in for the operation, the, the emergency operation, I was praying outside the theater. And uh, during that two-hour period that she, she was operated on, three random people approached me, and two of them gave me exactly the same word. God is in control. And you know what I got out of that is, is that prayer attracts the word of God. And I want to encourage you with that. When you pray, God will answer you. In that moment, he answered me, you know, very specifically. Um, but I feel a burden uh, to preach to you today. And I'm here, um, you know, because of the word that said that by the testimony, you kick the devil in the teeth. You know that scripture? Yeah. It's my version. <laughs> by the word of the testimony, you overcome um, the devil. And um, I've really been feeling this wo word for a long time now. Um, so uh, I hope you're ready because I'm going like, to spend myself here for you today and for the Lord's glory because I feel that he's got a message to share with you. So I'm going to speak on um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 11, and you can turn there with me in your Bibles. And while you turn there, um, I, I want to tell you something funny that happened this week. I was speaking to a very dear friend and telling her that I'm preaching on 2 Peter and that I was a little bit nervous because the, last, the previous three weeks, this has been the, the key scripture that was used by the previous guys that brought the word. And, and she, she looked at me like kind of thinking, is that, was that really the scripture that was used? And, um, and I thought to myself, that's, that's really interesting that, you know, um, that somebody would forget the specific scripture. And it's and it's, she's very faithful. She attends church. She loves the Lord. She got a lot out of the message. But the specific scripture she, she hadn't recalled. And, and then I thought, that's something I want to encourage you with today, uh, just as we start out is that you approach church and the Word of God with a, with a uh, readiness to recall and to re-preach. Okay? So come with your notepads. Come ready to, 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 to write three things down. Or if you've got the photographic memory, remember three things. Remember what was the scripture that was used. What are the scriptures that was used? Remember what are the main points that was, that, was, that was preached upon, and then, most importantly, ask yourself, what is God saying to me? Because it's Rhema word that's being communicated. You know, we, we use the Logos, the written word, but we communicate the Rhema. This is the now word that God is saying. So ask yourself, what is God saying to me? What must I change in my belief or in my behavior? And that way, we make progress. All right. So I want to make sure that you don't forget, we're preaching from Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 2 to 11. And what I want to do is, is actually go into a little bit of a teaching and, and go do a verse-by-verse -verse study of the scripture. And um, you can just go to the next slide. 
If you want to follow along, and, and um, is that the previous one? Yeah, that one. If you want to follow along with the slides, you can take out your phone and, and um, take a, uh, point your camera to that little uh, scan bar there, and um, then the notes will come up on your phone. For those of you that, um, that know me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a techie, so um, just thought, how can I communicate this you know, in, a, in a way where you can make notes on every slide that I share? Um, so you can either take, put your pointer camera there, something yellow will pop up, and then you can tap open in Google, or you can just type in your browsers, 1985.00, it will redirect you to the slideshow. And then underneath each slide, there will be a, a place where you can add notes. Um, yeah, and then at the end of it, you can add your email and it will be emailed to you. Just go 1985.00 in Chrome. Okay. All right. So, or you can just follow on the screen as we go. So the title of my message is Moving from Grace to Godliness. Making Intentional Progress. Moving from grace to godliness. We've been saved by grace. It is, it is by faith, but through grace that we have been saved. But we've saved to not just stay the way that we are. We're called to make progress and be intentional about it. So I want us to read this scripture together before we get going. Just while that's up there and you get ready with, um, with all of that. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 11. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an inheritance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful portion of scripture. And Lord, we approach this now and I want to say, bless this food to our bodies, Lord. As we dig into this, Lord, as we, as we fill ourselves, as we explore the wonders of your word, Lord, I pray that you break it open. And that you'd penetrate deep into our hearts and do work, Lord. Engrave something of this truth in us this day. I pray that you'd clean my hands and purify my heart, Lord, that I may be a pure vessel unto you as I deliver this. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, 
You can move on to the next slide. As I speak, you'll probably realize. Okay. So first of all, I want to do an overview of this portion of Scripture. So we can see that there are two opposing forces in this portion of Scripture. On the one side, we've got life and godliness, and on the other side, we've got the world. And life and godliness has, is, is, both of these are, are, are like opposing forces, and life and godliness has a destination. And that destination is glory and eternal life. And the world also has a destination, and that destination is corruption and eternal damnation. Okay? These are opposing forces. The world's vehicle that is used is lust. That is the vehicle. And it is pulling us. It's almost like an invisible rope or a current, if you will, that is pulling us constantly towards its corruption. It uses lust at the vehicle. The life and godliness that God wants us to, to obtain uses as vehicle the knowledge of God, the knowledge of His precious promises. So imagine a Formula One vehicle, and the, this vehicle is called the knowledge of God, knowing God. And it's not head knowledge, it's experiential knowledge. Okay, you, you are acquainted with Him. And as an engine of this Formula One vehicle, there is divine power. Divine power is actually driving this thing and moving towards life and godliness. Okay? And it's interesting to note that the world is pulling you, constantly pulling you, deliberately pulling you. But on this side, God's not pulling you. God's calling you. He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, into His kingdom for a life of godliness. So listen out for the call. It's voluntary. You need to respond to that. You don't have to, the, the world's going to make you respond anyway. Okay, does that make sense? All right, so now let's dive in, verse by verse, starting with verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now you'll notice that I've highlighted some of the words, and I'm just going to make a comment on some of those sections as we go. So first of all, the knowledge of God. Three times Peter mentions knowledge, the knowledge of God. In this first case, he wants grace and peace to multiply the knowledge of God. So it's almost like grace and peace is a tool, and you use that tool to do what? To multiply the knowledge that you have of God. He, wa he wants us to grow in what we know. All right? I want to ask you a rhetorical question, meaning you don't have to answer me, but you can answer yourself. How long have you been saved? Maybe one year, maybe five years, maybe 10, 20, some of you guys, 50 years have been saved. Now the second question I want to ask that links to this is, is the knowledge that you have of God proportionate to the time that you've been saved? Is what you know of God the same as how long you have been saved? I've been married to Petra now for 12 years. And what I know about her now is much greater than what I knew when I started dating her. Do you understand what I'm saying? What we know about God should grow. We need to know more about Him intimately, experiences. I call it God stories. We need to have God stories with Him. Okay, verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us 
by glory and virtue. That word divine power, the Greek word for that is dynamo, meaning ability, or it's where we get the word dynamite. There's a reaction that happens, and or might, or miracle. Now, take note that it is God himself that saves us. It is of no human ability. God does the work, and he saved us for a purpose. There is a reason God saved us, and that reason is life and godliness. That is the reason why he saved us. And the vehicle, like I said before, is knowing Him and is driven by this divine power that is the engine that is moving us towards this direction. Another analogy I want to give you is a light bulb. Imagine, imagine life and godliness is represented by a light bulb shining. Divine power is like a generator. That generator is powerful in itself. But how do you connect the generator to the light bulb is through a cable. And that cable is the knowledge of God. Knowing Him, drawing from Him, empowers you to shine in this dark and fallen world. Does that make sense? Verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice this precious promises. This is one of the areas of the knowledge of God. Of course, we have knowledge about Him as a person, the the Father, the love of the Father, the fellowship of Jesus, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We have have intimate knowledge of them as a person, but also of what what God has spoken to us about. prophecies that has been spoken over our lives, but also general promises that is made in the Bible. Now, some of you might know the Bible Gateway, which is an app that you can use to do Bible study. They have found over 5,000 promises in the Bible. Okay? Another guy, Herbert Locklear, he he did a little bit more research, and he found over 7,000 promises in the Bible. There's a lot to hang on to, guys. Now, I want to just mention five. Can you handle five? Okay, I wanted to encourage you. Okay, first of all, God has promised us eternal life. Isn't that incredible? God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son so that those who believe may not perish but have eternal life. That's something that we can hold on to. Another one is He will never leave us nor forsake us. He promised us that. You're never going to be alone. He's always going to be here with you. Holy Spirit is called the Paracletos, the one who walks beside me. He is Emmanuel, God that lives inside me. That's a beautiful promise to hang on to. Another one is that we are forgiven. You know how great that is? <laughs> Later on, he's going to say that we shouldn't forget that. We are forgiven. We are made righteous. We, it even says that we are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is amazing stuff to hold on to. I'm not the same. I'm not the old Joe before I knew Christ. I have been made new. We can have peace that transcends understanding. This is especially important for me in the situation I'm right now to hold on to that pr- promise that, that I can have peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense to the world, but I can have it. Yeah. We can live victoriously. We are made more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is good, guys. Here's an important one. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming. When all hell breaks loose on earth, we can rest assured, we've got a promise. Jesus is coming back. 
Okay, these are some of the promises. These are some of the, the fuel that you put into that vehicle that's going to drive you to life and godliness. We need to hang on to these. Another emphasis in the scripture is partakers. The Greek word here is koinonos, meaning sharing in. Now, I want to say something to you. The devil is actually jealous of you. Do you know that? He, you, you get to have something that he always wanted but could never have. We share in the inheritance of Christ. Listen to this. 1 John, not this John, another John, three, chapter, uh, chapter 3 verse 2 says, And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. Isn't this incredible? We, 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 are, we are brought into the very God. We are made like Him. This is incredible, guys. The Holy Spirit, the God that made the universe, dwells inside of me. Wow. Another emphasis here is lust. Remember I said that lust is the, is the pool or the vehicle that draws us into the world. And what I want to say to you here is that the devil was not ugly. He was a very, very beautiful creature. And he knows how to put on a show. Why is that important to know? Because he's not going to lure you in this vehicle that's going to be a karvat in fall. It's going to be a dashing thing. He's not going to bring a garbage bag and say, eat up, you know, because this is it. No, he's going to disguise it in a 30 centimeter round thing with lots of cheese and bacon on. Call it pizza. (laughs) Pizza is not unhealthy some days of the week. (laughs) The thing is, guys, there's a song that says, Verbode vruchte is piep, piep, lekker. Right? Because, let's face it, sin is not, it's not terrible to do sin. Sometimes it's even nice. You understand what I'm saying? The devil was the worship leader of heaven. Imagine this. All of heaven coming together to worship the God of the universe, the God of heavens. And he put up the show. He knows how to put up a show. He's going to put up a good one to lure you away from life and godliness. The question you need to ask yourself today is, what is it that I'm lusting after? What is the vehicle that is drawing me to get into that's going to pull me away from a life of godliness? And only the Holy Spirit can do that conviction, but you need to allow Him to do that. Verse 5. But for this very reason... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. Notice these words, for this very reason. So Paul is saying, everything I've said up to now, because of that, be diligent. And it's important to notice that order of things. It is because of the divine nature. It is because of the dynamo that has done a work inside of us. Don't reverse the order, lest you miss the true gospel. Otherwise, you will find yourself going into a striving, trying to perform these values and not being fueled by by the engine of divine power. It's only after you've got this. but, But he says, be diligent. Why? 
He calls us to a holy dissatisfaction with the way we are. We can't be the same level of holiness than we, than we were last year. He's calling us to move forward, to make intentional progress into the life and, life and godliness. Verse 6 and 7. Add to knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. This list of eight qualities could be called spiritual arithmetic. And it's interesting to note the, the order of them and how they start. Okay? And also that it is not wages that we pay ourselves in to get ourselves into heaven. This is not something that we do in order to get there. It's a result of the inworking power of God inside of us. Now, this list starts with faith, which is very apt, because Hebrews 11:6 says that he who comes to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everything starts with faith. Our journey starts with faith. We respond to grace by faith. That is our reaction. That is the reaction to the call of God to this life and godliness. And it ends with love. This is so beautiful for me. This is actually what spiritual maturity is all about, is love. This is like the pinnacle of this list. You want to see how spiritual mature someone is? Just look at the way they love other people. Their neighbor, starting with the wife next to them, you know, and the kids in the room next door when they, you know, which is going on and on, fighting. <laughs> and the neighbors in the street and the colleagues at work. How, how do you love them? Because that is your test of spiritual maturity and how much this divine power is working inside of you. Verse 8 says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. These words, barren and unfruitful, is very, very sad words for me to read here. Because it seems to be possible to start this Christian walk and then fall away. How sad is that? That you've laid down your life at some point, given it all to Jesus, made the sacrifices, and then at some point you like, just give up. And, and, and because you give up, you, just get, you got in the wrong car. And you're pulling towards the world and ultimate corruption. It gets... Emphasize further in Second Peter 2 verse 20, it says, If they have escaped the defilements of the world once through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, so they got in that first cough, they responded to the call, but then they are entangled in them and overpowered. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Sure. I want to share a story with you, uh, a true story of Glenda Roberts. It's well documented. This lady and her husband... They went um, on a fishing trip on the coast of Florida. And uh, on their yacht, she decided to go for a swim. And the current was actually very strong. So she started drifting. Her husband, not thinking, jumped in afterwards trying to get her back to the boat. But realized that the current is taking him too. So him being a champion swimmer, said to her, don't waste your energy. Just float along. I'll get back to the boat and come get you. So for six hours, he fought the tide. Almost at the point of giving up, the tide turns, and he got onto the boat. 
But now by that time it was dark, so all searches for her was futile. And then, he, the next morning, they, they regathered the, the troops and, and started looking for her again. They found her, and she was still alive. But she had been 20 miles, that's 36 kilometers, down where they first started. Now bringing this into this message, I want to say to you, if you're just going to float along in your Christian walk, you're going to be drifting to this side very quickly. We need to strive to even stand still in, in the level of holiness and, know, and the knowledge that we have of God. We need to really pursue God, guys. It's not going to come by itself. You know, it's, 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 it needs to be intentional. Verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Now this word short-sighted is obviously the opposite of being long-sighted, for lack of a better word, or eternally minded. Short-sighted means you only see the things of this world. You know there's that song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Why will it grow strangely dim? Because you're not focusing there. You're focusing on Jesus and this life of godliness that you're pursuing and you are responding to the call and you're getting to that vehicle of the knowledge of God and you're being powered by the divine nature and you're moving. But if you become, if you forget, if you forgot what you were cleansed from, what happens? Become short-sighted. You become overpowered and entangled by the affairs of this world and get to the current that moves in this direction. The lust of the world become 4K, HD, crystal clear, and it's very enticing. Remember, the devil knows how to put on a show. Verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I love this word, diligent, again. Afrikaans word is eiverig. Eiverig. Jy is lift met die ding. You want to do this. It's something that you want, that you're excited about. You're not, you're not dragging along, you know, like today when I try to get my kids to tidy up the house, you know, they're like uh, picking up something. That is not eiver daar Okay? Something that you're excited about. You're ready to go for this. Okay, it says, now, I want to say that the best way to make your call and election sure is to call others. I almost see this as, as when you're moving in this direction to life and godliness, it's like a conveyor belt. Like you're in it, God is, God is calling you, but then He moves you this way again, but in Him, this time with Him, into the dark zone so that you can call others. You make your own call and election sure by calling others. And that way, you don't forget what you've been cleansed from because you're sharing your testimony all the time. Do you understand? You're saying to them, I once was blind, but now I see. And you're calling them to that side. Let's move to further together. And it's, it's like this cycle all the time where we're making our call and election sure. Now, I specifically felt this as a word for us as a congregation. We need to get out of our holy huddle. And get where the world is. Your light doesn't shine bright among other lights. Your light shines bright in darkness. 
It's, no, it's, it's nothing wrong, and it's actually very important. The Bible commands that we fellowship with each other and don't neglect the fellowship of the saints. But we need to get to where the gossip is and rivalry and, you know, mischievous plans and, 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 and swearing and, and all of that. Because that's where we're going to shine our light brightest. We need to be intentional in calling the lost to a place of life. Finally, in verse 11, For so an inheritance, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For so. Now this for so, again, is like that for this very reason. It, it kind of is like an accumulation of everything that I've said so far that, that, that Peter is saying here. It's not a recipe. It's a result of the inworking of God. All of this is a result of, of knowing and walking with, with your Savior. So, I want to um, glean from an example I heard from Uncle Henry. And um, using this analogy of the Formula One, who of you like to watch Formula One? Okay, some of you. Okay, cool. So you know that this engine is actually very loud. So the, the guys, you know, while they're driving, they can barely hear something. But one word that they can hear is this, box, box. <laughs> they can hear that. And that's a very important word to hear because that means that they need to exit the race at the next, next possibility to, to get into the pit lane for about a 30-second period of which they stop for three, two to four seconds, more or less, and in that two to four seconds, they get new tires on, refueled if that's needed, the helmet washed, new part of the, of the car if that needs repair. All of that happens like that, and then they're ready for the race. And what I want to say to you is this. Some of you are driving this race called Christianity. You're moving towards this side, but you get tired. You need to listen out for Jesus saying, box, box. You need to take time out from the race and saying, I need to get with my Savior. I need to get with Jesus. I need a new word from Him because that's going to refuel you in order to run this race because in actual fact, Christianity is not a Formula One race of 50 odd laps. It's a marathon. It's much longer than that. And if you're in it for the long run, you need to realize when is my king telling me to box, box so that I can refuel. For me, it is impeccable in this time because Jesus spoke to me already, gave me a very specific word for Pietro. But then, you know, it's that thing of, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, you know, because it's like the word that John brought earlier as well. You put your hope sometimes in an outcome. And if that outcome doesn't come, then your hope crumbles. Your hope needs to be in Jesus. And, 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 and the box box constantly brings you back to that point where you anchor yourself again in, in Him and not in, in, the, in the circumstances around you. This word entrance um, refers to Roman generals that, that's been given a triumphal parade after the a victory that they've made. Imagine coming into heaven one day and hearing these words, well done, faithful son, daughter. Wow, that's something to look forward to. It's something to, to live your life for.